Hi guys, thanks for listening to Library Overload. This is Susie. And this is Tavia. Don't forget to check us out online. I will post all of the books we talk about in every episode on our blog. It's libraryoverload.home.blog. And you can also check us out on Instagram. And we are just Library Overload there. Well, hello guys. We hello, are hello. we are excited to be back. <laughs> I tickled myself by saying that. <laughs> I wish that when my brain started working, another word besides excited could come out, but apparently it's the only one I know. <laughs> I'm trying I can't even think of a synonym at the moment. <laughs> no, I have. I, I got nothing. That's it. That's all you get. So, guys, I'm excited, okay? I'm excited to be here and talking to you and continuing on with No Rules November. I do love No Rules November. I do. Although, my reading lately has just been abysmal. We got to blame it last week on the chaos of the election, but I don't know what my problem was this week. Maybe just generalized anxiety um, but I just didn't get a lot reading a lot of reading done this week I don't I don't know I sit down to read and I just I'm like no I just look at Instagram that's what I do I'll sit down with my book in hand Mm -hmm. and then with the other hand I'm going through Instagram and I'm like and Chris will look at me and be like I thought you were reading and I was like yep sure am this Mm -hmm. is what I'm doing yeah and I'll uh, like Daniel I'll tell him to play like his video game with his friends so that I can read. And then I will sit there and not read. Mm-hmm. Same. Chris's yeah. new game, the stupid. Valhalla. That one. Yeah. Assassin's was... Creed Valhalla. That one. I was like the Viking one. <laughs> I don't know if it's sad or good that I just knew that that's what you were talking about. I think you just know Chris well enough to know. Yeah. Um... Well, Daniel's talked about that one, but. He he doesn't like spending money on him. He will like get him like six months after everyone's played him. Yeah. And Chris will not wait. Chris literally like we didn't have the money for it. And so he sold some old, old stuff just to buy it. And I was like, I mean, you know, way to be resourceful. Man. <laughs> but yeah, more power to him. Cause I've definitely, when I've really, really, really wanted to read a book and I didn't have the money for it, I used to buy and then return. Like, Oh, wow. It's terrible. I know. Yeah. But, like, I desperately Poor wanted. artists. I know. I desperately wanted to read it, and the library didn't have it, and it was terrible, and I feel bad about it, and I don't do it anymore, but well, I've definitely done that. I will say that I used the refund the book policy on Audible extensively, and they cut me off, so <laughs> I did do that. But I still pay a membership, so it's fine. They still get my $14 <laughs> every That's single month. Funny. I just listen to more books than two a month. So, That's yeah. funny. Wow, how many did you have to do in order for them to be like, oh, yeah, she's cut off? A lot. <laughs> I think they do have a, a monthly limit that you're allowed to hit. Um, but I had returned like seven or eight books. So. I applaud you. 
These are tough times we're living in, man. You know, know. it's a really rough time to be. We are living through all kinds of history. It is okay if we do bad things sometimes. I did not want to live through a historic event like this. Like all of the yeah. stuff that we're going through. I, mm-hmm. I I would have been fine just to not be the remembered generation. Just the yeah. forgotten. What yeah. is it they call the, the lost generation? I don't know what the lost generation entails. Well, it's, like I, I don't know what that means. It's not the boomers, but like the one after that, I think. Millennials? No. There's a ton of people between boomers and millennials. I don't know. Boomers were in the 40s, in the fifth, the early 50s, like right after the war. I don't know. And millennials were in the late 90s. No, millennials early 2000s. are like, no, that's Generation X or Y or. They call them millennials because they're at the turn of the millennium. Oh, there's a, a song. Something about the millennium. It'll come to me later. Okay. Well, enough of our shenanigans. Do you guys want to hear about some books now? I mean, I guess that's why they're here. Probably. Unless they're Although here to I listen to me think struggle with remembering things that I'm trying to say. Yes, yes. <gasps> rent! It's rent. We're living in the millennium. <laughs> there it is. I got it, guys. Don't you worry about me. I sent Susie a meme this week that <laughs> said if you ever want to feel like a ghost or the closest you'll ever feel to being a ghost is listening to a podcast and knowing a piece of trivia that the hosts are trying to come up with. <laughs> attacked, y'all. <laughs> I felt attacked. But I I do that. I'm like, oh, I know that. And like they're yeah. trying to. Uh, you I'll know. do that. To myself, listening to our own podcast. That (laughs) is amazing. When I'm, like, working on the blog, I'll be listening to it and working on it. And I'm like, oh, God, Susie, you're so stupid. (laughs) That is spectacular. I think that it's moments like this that they're here for. (laughs) Our delightful banter and (laughs) self-deprecating humor. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing quite like it. No, Mm-mm. there definitely isn't. But let's talk about books. Fine. <sighs> I'm going to make things really sad, really somber, and really serious in here real quick. Okay, I'm not here for that. <laughs> Y'all, I listened to Alex Trebek's memoir. No! <laughs> Bawling. Like, literal sobs, guys, Okay. It was so sad at the end. But this is, the answer is Reflections on My Life by Alex Trebek. And was actually only published in July of this year. Yeah. It is brand new. Yep. And it was written about a year after he got his cancer diagnosis. And he knew he was dying. And let me tell you what, that was rough. But he decided 
to do them anymore. He said they've been asking him to do one for years, and he kept saying, no, I don't really have anything interesting to say. And so once he realized that he got this diagnosis, and he said all of the love and support that poured in for him, he kind of realized how much people actually did care and would probably want to hear it. So, And... 100% of the proceeds of the book are going to different cancer charities. Oh, love that. I didn't yeah. know that. And I, you know, love to listen to celebrity books on audio. So I listened to this one and he and Ken Jennings co-narrated it. So he, he yeah, apparently oh. they became pretty good friends during Ken Jennings' um, stint on Jeopardy. His reign? Yes. And so uh, he did most of the narration, but there were a couple of different bits where Alex would come in. So he did the full introduction. And then there's a, check, a chapter on his wife. And he said, I couldn't let Ken talk about my soulmate. I just felt Aww. like I needed to do that. And so Aww. it's kind of beautiful. Love that. Uh, it starts, you know, I didn't quite realize his dad was a an immigrant from the Ukraine who came to Canada. And then his mom was French Canadian. I didn't know he was Canadian. Yes. Hmm. Is indeed. And so he, um, he actually went to Catholic boarding school for a while. Sounds like the worst. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He, he enjoyed it. And then he, they weren't, they didn't have a lot of money. So in Canada, apparently you could, join the Canadian army for like two years and then they would pay for four years of schooling. I think you could do the schooling first, but then you had to do your two years. And so he went to join that and they sent him to military school and he lasted 24 hours. And he's like, no, not going to do this. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. he headed out. He said, really the um, straw that broke the camel's back was he had this really nice kind of like, hairstyle and they wanted to shave it off and he's like no I'm not here for it I'm heading out hilarious yeah um and then he talked about you know his early career in broadcasting he did Canadian game shows I didn't realize that so that was kind of funny and then the show called the wizard of odds is what brought him to the United States and we don't even I, I don't even know what that is I talked to my mom about a couple of them and Mm -hmm. she said she remembered them, but, and probably some people who maybe are slightly older or really into game shows would like it. Cause he talks a lot about like the Merv Griffin era and, you know, the, the kind of the creation of that era of gaming and the packaging of Will of Fortune with Jeopardy and syndication and how they kind of put those together as a package and Mm -hmm. um, pushed those. And then he did like one chapter on each like memorable guest that they've had. So there's several, you know, like Ken Jennings, the high, uh, big winners, things like that. There was one woman that was on there and she had cancer and she was battling cancer and she didn't want anything mentioned about it. She ended up actually passing away before I her read episode about aired. her. Cindy Stoller, I think, Stower. And so they she would have been in the tournament of champions. And so they donated the amount of money that a champion would receive to cancer research in her honor. So that was kind of cool. Love that. 
Yeah, when he talked about, you know, he got to go and travel and make up some of the clues sometimes, and that was kind of fun. And uh, the coolest little tidbit I picked up is apparently when he was up there writing his notes behind the podium, like marking off questions, and he was using a crayon. He said it's the quietest writing implement, so the mic wouldn't pick it up. So he used a crayon while he was up there. That's crazy. Yeah. But he also talked about his wife, and he's 20 years older than her. Um, and he said the first time he met her dad, her dad said, well, I guess I won't be calling you son. <laughs> I've noticed pictures of them, and I'm like, ooh, she looks gorgeous for her age. Mm. So that makes a little more sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, he actually had been married previously and divorced. And then he married uh, Jean in 1990. And they have two kids together. The kids are grown kids. His son actually owns a restaurant in New York. Ooh, that's neat. Yeah. Or he did, I guess, at the time of the book. But he also was writing still at the beginning of the this year because he talked about COVID and the kids being able to come home. Wow. And spend some time with him. And he said they kind of, you know, tried to say, well, it's, it's COVID or whatever. But he kind of thought that it was... Because he wasn't going to be around much longer and he knew it. And so just the whole end of it was just kind of devastating. And the the adorable love he had for his wife was just precious. I mean, it was just precious. So I very much thoroughly enjoyed it. It was interesting, but also very, very sad. Love that. I do want to read it. I, I just, recommend listening. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not the biggest audiobook person. I know, but Ken Jennings and Alex Trebek are narrating an audiobook. I'm not going to lie to you. I do not care about Ken Jennings. You're just, wrong. That's fine. I mean, yeah. the, he's narrating Alex Trebek's audiobook. That's cool. It's fine. I mean, it's a neat little tidbit, but that's not going to be me like, make me be like, oh, well, now I have to listen to it because it's Ken Jennings. Well, I, I also mean, did go on YouTube and find some early Jeopardy clips of Alex with his mustache and his little kind of afro thing. And that was kind of spectacular. Love that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I was going to ask you, what was your favorite game show when you were a kid to watch? I liked that one. I don't think this is the name of it, but it was the No Whammies. Uh, not ringing a bell. You know where the the it went around like that, and they said, "Come on, no whammies, no whammies." What no. is the name of that show? Let me. I'm gonna have to look it up. My mom's probably dying right now. She knows me to do this. <laughs> Mine was probably, and this is gonna make like I apparently was just an old lady. Press your a, luck. That was it. Oh, okay. I've never seen that one. If you landed on the whammies, you lost all your money. Oh. So nobody wanted to land on those. So they would always be like, come on, no whammies, no way. It, it sounds like bamboozled. It was fun. It was, <laughs> it was, oh, it was, I vaguely, vaguely remember watching it. Um, mine was Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> I did love me some supermarkets. I you know, they've redone it recently. It. Oh, Leslie Jones is doing it now. Yeah. And she is fantastic. 
stick. <laughs> yeah, I also liked just... all the games on Nickelodeon, like Guts oh, and, uh, and Double the, Dare. And the um, Legend of the Hidden like, Temple. Yes, that one, that one, that one, that one. I love that one. Um, yes, I loved all of those as well. Um, but man, did I love me some supermarket sweep. I would always be yelling at them like, get the hoses! Get the hoses! <laughs> That's hysterical. I was an old lady, even as a child. <laughs> well, I used to watch Nick at Night and watch, like, the game shows from the 70s. Oh, so, like, I never um, did that. the match game and things like that, and that was fun. Mm. Yeah. I love being a good game show. Me too. My mom does. She loves it. Oh, I always like The Price is Right. One of my favorite guilty pleasures is to go on YouTube and look for hilarious Price, uh, not Price is Right, Family Feud. And look for hilarious Family Feud answer videos. So funny. Especially especially with how Steve Harvey does it now. Mm -hmm. The faces he makes. When people mm-hmm. say something off the wall. Yeah. It's hysterical. Oh my god, it's so funny. That if you guys did. haven't gone on YouTube and looked up those videos, you absolutely owe it to yourself to do it. It's hysterical. I did, though. I forgot about Price is Right. I loved that. I did like Price is Right, too. Yeah. I loved that. Forgot about that. Um, and Drew Carey does that now. Yeah. Oh, Alex Trebek mentioned that. He said, you know, the thing is that they'll be able to replace me on Jeopardy and it will go on because it's such a good show. He said people were worried about that with Bob Barker, but Drew Carey does phenomenal. It didn't miss a beat. He said, you know, the same will happen with Jeopardy because it's such a phenomenal show. Do you see that now? Like, people have been throwing out names. Like, people have mentioned Ken Jennings, but LeVar Burton's name has been thrown in. I saw and I'm like, that. yes. And yes, he said he would be provided. Yes, sign me the hell up for that. That would be cool. I like that. I am down for LeVar Burton to do anything, honestly. Love him. Okay, my book for this week. And I'm so sorry. I just realized that I only have one book for this week. I You're guess, the worst. I know. I truly am. But it was a pretty damn good book. That's good. Um, I had a rough week, too. I... Yeah, it was just. Yeah. I guess because I hadn't finished Boyfriend Project last week, that I finished it this week, and I was like, "Oh, I have two. I lied to myself. Um, and to everyone else, you I have did. deceived us. I'm so sorry. So this one is the Book of Essie by Megan McLean Weir. So this has been on my radar for a long time. Tiny rabbit trail for just a second. I grew up incredibly conservatively, borderline cult-like conservatively. Like, I wasn't allowed to wear um, anything other than skirts or straight from hell, culottes. If you don't know what culottes are, they are not the cute culottes that came into style, like, 13 years ago. Those were not cute, but also those were not the culottes that I wore as a child. But it was just very constricting. I wasn't allowed, and I know I mentioned this, I wasn't allowed to read anything that wasn't about Jesus. Like, just incredibly, incredibly close-minded. No no outside thoughts whatsoever. Um, so, when I heard about this book, this is about a family. It's a pastor and his wife 
and their children. Very similar to the Duggar family. They have multiple children. They have a reality show that follows them. Well, Essie is pregnant. And so instead of, and her mother, instead of being angry that she's out of you know, wedlock, out of wedlock, 17 year old Essie is pregnant. And so her mother, strangely, instead of being infuriated and freaking out and trying to figure out who the father was and marrying her off and all this stuff, she's like, okay, we'll handle it. And so it's literally the first paragraph is Essie listening to her mother speak to the producers about how they're going to fix the situation. And it's just like, okay, this isn't a legitimate spiritual believe what they preach, practice Mm -hmm. what they preach kind of family. This is, we have now gotten to a point of where we're very comfortable at where we are and we're going to do anything in our power to maintain that. Mm -hmm. And so this diabolical family Mom ends up able to set up a fake love story and is marrying Essie off to this guy because his family is down on their luck. Their their owned business is about to close and she capitalizes on that. Wow. And she's like, I'm going to pay off all of your debts. I'm going to give you this lump sum now. And then if they stay married for five years, you get this lump sum. And it's just like, it's kind of like one of those things where, I mean, how can we say no? We're really struggling. And it is just insane. A lot of what goes on, especially if you come from a very religious background that borders on more of how you appear to be as a person instead of how you actually are. A lot of things that happen in this book are like, yeah, I saw that coming. But it is... Very well written. I I personally felt like it was very well researched because I could definitely see some of the people that I grew up with and around Mm -hmm. being just like that. Because that type of religion and that type of pedestal that you put people on is not sustainable. And it's not something that people can maintain in in a normal day-to-day life. And it's, it gets to the point where it's like, look at how I'm living instead of look at how I am showing God's love Mm -hmm. and doing it's, it's really kind of the opposite of what Christianity is really all about. Exactly. Exactly. And so I was very pleased with it. I gave it four stars and the only reason I didn't give it. The only reason I didn't give it five stars is because I saw it coming. Like, I I knew what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. But it did not detract from the story. Like, I was was in it for the story. It was -hmm. was great. Highly recommend it. I went on a weird kick of, like, I'm going to, I want to read about cults this week. So, I added (laughs) probably 15 books about cults to my Goodreads list. That's funny. Um, I did see that you added a whole lot. And I was like, well, she's been on an explore button kick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Found a whole list. (laughs) So, yeah. I literally, one day, I was like, what am I going to read? I just finished my last book. Like, what am I going to read? I was like, cults. I need to read about cults. It was the weirdest thing. But, like, I had to. (laughs) I had to zero in and find funny. a cult book. So that that barely wet the appetite because that was the cult that I grew up in. I need to know more about more serious cults. Yeah. Um, 
So yes, I do recommend be... Poison. I talked about that a couple of yes, ago. it was very yes. Good. There's a I few. also have a Charles Manson book too. Yes, you have something in the family. Member of the family. Member of the family. Yes. I also want to read Helter Skelter. And I did not know this until literally days ago. But Helter Skelter is the main Manson book that you want to read if you want to read about Marilyn Manson. And it was written by the defense attorney in his case. Well, that's interesting. I know. So, yes, I definitely want to read that. But the stupid library doesn't have it. So just like, dear God, I know, but I will get there. I will uh, definitely be bringing some more cult books to the table because like, my God, am I interested? Yeah. Daniel is fascinated with cults. I don't, I don't understand the obsession, but he lives for it. We have talked ad nauseum about them. Yeah. Very intriguing. Mm -hmm. Well, my name is Tavia. And I have a problem. Did you read another, um, what's her Facebook? Agatha Christie? Yes. I did not, but I did okay. read another book about Oak Island. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so what ha- happened was, okay, Oak Island season let me, eight. Let me guess. <laughs> let me guess. So they went back to the island and they kept digging and they did not find the treasure. Is that what you're about to tell me? I do not need that kind of negativity in my <laughs> life, okay? So, if you are just now joining us, there is an island in the North Atlantic. And what is the have... intro to the show? Yeah, that's what it says. There's an island in the North Atlantic. <laughs> okay, I have been watching this show from the very beginning. We're They just premiered this week, season eight. The most unsatisfying show in the history of the land. No, it's spectacular. <laughs> it's history's number one show. Other all people you, are just as crazy as I am. All you do is watch them search for something they never find. They find just enough to keep you interested. My God. This week they I found a that coin. Treasure. I hope the <laughs> A whole damn coin. Yes, tell and, me more. And they had some arch, um, some archaeologists that found a structure that was a pine tar kiln, which is where you would make uh, ship uh, weatherproofing and stuff. So, like, they would make the tar to weatherproof the ship. So, obviously, ships were in the bay. I am riveted. Well, you should be. It's fantastic. <laughs> Guys, if you don't know about Oak Island, please go look it up. People have been looking on this uh, island for buried treasure since 1795, okay? I have legitimate, actual, real obsession with this show. I don't know why I love it so much, but I do. It's it's an absolute obsession, and I've talked about before uh, one book that I read, but this time I read... The Curse of Oak Island, the story of the world's longest treasure hunt by Randall Sullivan. And it is the Histories Channel's authorized version. (laughs) My God. It was really good. It actually was a very, very thorough, in-depth review of every searcher's uh, process. 
since the the beginning and through what's been done now. And he offered little hints here and there of what kind of what he thought, but mostly it was just a very thorough account of of what's been done on the island, which was pretty cool. I mean, nothing I didn't already know, but pretty cool. And the cover is really creepy looking. It is cool looking. And I'm glad that I finally read it because it was I am glad for you. I know that you love it. And so that would be a good book to like, if you're struggling reading, pick up something you know you love. So yes. like, yeah, it makes total sense. <laughs> yes, because it was a spectacular. <laughs> and there's pictures in it. Pictures? I know. I love a book with pictures. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I loved that Lizzie Borden book I talked about because it had pictures in it too. It was pretty neat. Did I talk about From the Corner of the Oval last week? No. <gasps> I do have two books. Just realized. What a week it must have been for you. <laughs> Y'all, I have drank a lot. Since the last time we spoke. It's been a very stressful week. Oh dear. Oh my god. I'm so sorry. That was quite a roller coaster at this episode. Do we need to plan an intervention for you? I'm kind of worried. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Are you finished with your book? I'm sorry. I was just sitting here like, I swear to god, I read two books this week. <laughs> that is really funny. Uh, yeah, so sorry. I, I don't know how much more you want me to talk about the curse of Oak Island. I think um, you gave us a pretty thorough uh, explanation of it in the last episode that you talked about it. And I promised to tag it in our, in okay. our blog. Okay. Well, season eight just premiered. They had four month delay because of COVID. So they're really on a tight timeline this year because Nova Scotia's winters are just really harsh. So sure. they can only dig for so long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they're, they're um, they're definitely limited on what they're going to be able to do this year. But they did find a coin. And it got dropped into the bottom of the shaft. So it, it, they didn't get it. It was, it was really a nail-biter. <laughs> it was like... <gasps> it, Daniel sits there and makes fun of me the whole time. It's spectacular. Thank God someone does. <laughs> That's also, a lot. When something happens. I like. I hit him. I was like, oh, "Do you hear that?" <laughs> it really is the craziest thing. I have such a wild obsession with this. I I really don't know, but I I did get text and email alerts that the premiere episode was gonna air on Tuesday, so I to make sure I wouldn't forget. That's hysterical. Yeah, you guys should go check it out. It's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Okay, I found this book on the um, on the library's ebook app, Libby. So Boy, that was, was a tough sentence. My God, it was so, so many difficult words. <laughs> um, so after the election, you know, we're all kind of on like a either I never want to hear about politics ever again, or I need more. And at that moment in time, I needed more. So I found From the Corner of the Oval from Beck Dory Stein. And this is about a woman who, at like the age of 27, 
ends up working in the White House for Barack Obama as a stenographer. What's a stenographer, you ask? Because I did not know. That is someone... Could you please? Go right ahead. Thank you. I didn't know what it was. So that is someone that literally records every single interview, conversation you have, and then they transcribe it. So she got to go on... They have them in courtrooms for, like, court cases and stuff. I didn't know that's what they were called. I thought they were transcriber. Like, I thought it was a just a transcriber. Transponster! <laughs> well, because technically the sten- um, she went and recorded and then typed up later. Like, it's not, like, live, live typing. Well, you know what they're doing in the courtroom is not actual words. And then they I know, go back but it's like, like, it's, like, shorthand. But they're still right. typing. Right, but it's still, it's still a stenographer, though. But it's still typing. Live action typing. I can't help you. I, I, I don't know what to. <laughs> I give <Okay>. up. <laughs> Thank you. You should. But the crazy thing about this is, so Beck was jobless in D.C. at the time and had put in her resume everywhere she was possibly qualified to work at. Um, No one was responding. There was a lot of, like, thanks but no thanks emails, things like that. And so, finally, she went to Craigslist back in 2012. And, you know, like, no one goes on Craigslist anymore. But she was like, you know, what the hell? Going to check it out. And so, she responds to a Craigslist jobs ad, goes and tests for it. And when she doesn't show up for the follow-up interview, because she's just like, God, it's just a Craigslist ad. It doesn't matter. It's not going to be a good job. When she doesn't show up, and so she texts them and apologizes, they're like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, we're happy to reschedule. Also, FYI, this is a job in the White House. And she was like, I'm sorry, what? So the White House put their job posting on Craigslist? Mm-hmm. They didn't advertise it as such. It, it was just a blanket stenographer position typing position like it was just very very under the radar so like dc folk <laughs> troll craigslist for jobs is craigslist um, still even a thing in 2020 I honestly honestly don't even know don't go to strangers homes at this time <laughs> please no. don't but would no, not so, recommend mm-mm. So she goes, like, she tells her story of getting the job at the White House, working as the stenographer, traveling on Air Force One, partying with the other staff, the White House staff. That's fun. I know. And then she goes into detail. She changes a lot of names. Almost everyone that she mentioned is a pseudonym name Mm -hmm. because she has this quite torrid love affair with another staffer for like two years. Um, It's like on again, off again, but it's always a secret because he's a really toxic person and all of this. So that was kind of crazy. It was kind of like the West wing meets sex in the city. Like it was like, there's a lot of, there was a lot of like, this is serious stuff going on. These are my beliefs. And this is my, like all of this, but then it would be like, and then we did shots until four in the morning and flew back hungover on Air Force One. And well, it was just like, fun. yeah, it was really interesting. It was a fun 
political read because it mm-hmm. wasn't so much of politics. It was yeah. just more of like, this is, this is my job. Like, this yeah. is what I do for a living. And it wasn't so, I don't know. The heavy. Word I'm, yeah, I guess so. But it was good. I enjoyed it. I stayed. Now, is it a like, recent release or did she release it like shortly after she left? It was released shortly after uh, Barack Obama left office. So 2018 nice. um, is when it came out. So, yeah, she worked a few weeks into the Trump candidacy and she was like, nope, can't do it. Gotta go. And wow. Left. Yeah. So, yeah, she she talks about like the mood in the the White House in the days and weeks um, up to January twentieth of twenty sixteen, like how just awful and depressing, and how like people start leaving because they've got to find other jobs, yeah. and so like people start leaving before, but as a an actual like employee at the White House and not someone that is like appointed, mm-hmm. she was not like she wouldn't be losing her job, so she yeah. was one of the few that stayed. After. She was a White House staffer, not like a. Right, not an appointed yeah. member of his staff. Like, yeah. So it was just, it was very good. I really enjoyed it. It was nice because it wasn't so much policy and mm-hmm. all of that. It was more just like, this was my job and this is how it was like and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, that's pretty cool. Really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad. We read some good stuff this week. Yes, I can't wait to start uh, reading some more. Um, I haven't had a chance to read it all this weekend, but I'm hoping work is a little less crazy this coming up week so I can read I'm a excited bit. to get my book and sit down with it in my lap and then look at my phone. Yes, that sounds wonderful too. Apparently you can't read books through osmosis, so that's kind of a bummer. Mm-mm. Can you listen to a book while scrolling? I do. I do that a lot. Yeah, there you go. Or I play my game. I have a couple of little games that I'm kind of addicted to, sadly. One is Disney Emoji Blitz. You get emojis for your phone that are Disney. So, like, I have, you know, Ariel, an emoji I could send to you. But you play the game and you collect emojis. It's fun. I'm glad you... Absolutely lowers your IQ. It's fine, but... (laughs) Sometimes you just need those, like... Little games. Mindless. Yeah. Totally. It's I like the a... Bejeweled or whatever. It's not Bejeweled. Or, I don't, you match three shapes. Mm-hmm. Except these are all Disney characters. Gotcha. I had a pretty serious thing going on with my uh, the Yahtzee app. I remember this. Have you broken up with Yahtzee? I did. I had to delete the app because like, I, I wouldn't stop. Like I, I'm pretty addictive when it comes to like things on my phone. So mm-hmm. uh, Literally, I have to delete apps That's to make funny. myself stop. Um, but yeah, I was Yahtzee and I were pretty serious for a while there, and so I literally have no games on my phone because oh, I wow. would just I would just I just not, have two. I would just well, I have stop. other games on there, but I only have two that I play. Yeah, yeah. So that's fun. Hopefully, we'll get more reading done for you guys this week. But you know, don't hold us to it. Yeah. It's not like this is a podcast about books or anything. Nah. We'll just have some riveting stuff to talk about. Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. I mean, our hilarious banter is apparently, you know, why people are here. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, like we say, be safe. Make good choices. Things are getting real again here in North America. So, yeah, be safe. 
wear yeah. a mask. It's not yeah. that difficult. I don't my understand thought, how wearing a mask became political. Is what I was trying to say. Yeah, my thought is if it could save just one person, mm-hmm. if just one person didn't die because I wore a mask, that is enough. Yeah, like that's all there is to it. And imagine mm-hmm. if we all felt like that. What a world that would be. Oh, Alex Trebek did say at the end of the book. He said, "What?" Um, he said, "I keep coming back to that song." Um, and he knew who sang it, and I don't. But what the world needs now is love. I sing that when I'm cooking all the time for some reason. That's like my default. When That's I start cooking, funny. I sing that song. That's or hum funny. It. Yeah. But the world needs love, guys. Yes, it does. So much of it. But yes, we will talk to you guys again next week. Happy yes. reading. Happy reading. <laughs> Bye. Bye.